let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there, my name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times best-selling authors and much, much more, these people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey to learn from their experiences and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show every morning at 8 a.m. Central. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Project Egg Show. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Kelly Alexander, founder of the Great American Tax Remedy. How are you doing today, Kelly? I'm doing really, really well. Thank you so much for having me on today. Absolutely. And thank you so much for, uh, for carving out the time to do this. Now, I want to jump right in okay. and ask you, what is your story? Okay, so actually I realized it began when I was 16 and got my very first job at a fast food restaurant as an employee and they handed me a W-4 and it says on there, if you have not um, owed federal taxes for the previous year and you anticipate not owing any federal taxes for the coming year, then you may select exempt. And I saw that at 16, and I thought, gee whiz, there's a way to be exempt. And it was kind of like that grain in the oyster, that grain of sand that just was there for 30-some years before I started doing legal research and learning more. And, you know, fast forward 30 years later, um, you know, I just started getting these awarenesses of there's a whole nother reality going on in this world that most people don't tap into. And so through that process, I started meeting people with similar interests and, you know, getting involved in groups and learning. And I did discover another um, method of filing taxes um, that I followed. I didn't fully understand it, but it sounded like it had reasonable merit. And it led to my receiving a $50,000 refund from the IRS. This was back in 2008. And, you know, it's like, wow. And that wasn't money that I had paid in as a refund. It was a reflection of my banking activity for that year in some, you know, relative to this method. And then about six months later, I started getting a, letters and phone calls from the IRS saying that I needed to pay that money back. And um, so that led to, you know, some real challenge there. And um, I realized that that method was actually flawed. And I did owe the money back. And I went through, you know, like I said, a lot of angst over that. But I, but I knew deep inside there, okay, this wasn't it, but there is an it out there. And so I continued and uh, did more study and uh, stumbled into another group. And uh, they have a website that's, it's got fact and it's got a lot of people weighing in with their own points of view and opinions. And I spent many, many months sifting through the fact versus those opinions to get to what was real. And I did lots of testing and experimenting with my bank, my employer, um, you know, all, all kinds of things. And through that developed the method that I now teach. And so that process I filed for my first year in 2014. My husband was not willing to join me. Too, too, 
unnerved by the prior experience. So we filed separately that year. And then he saw that um, I was issued the refund of my withholdings from my job. And then he came on board the following year. And I have been successfully doing this method every year since. I just got a letter uh, last week from IRS saying that, you know, here's your refund. That's it. So five years and um, no more issues with the IRS. So that's my story. And so now I'm here to help people with a streamlined way to do this so they don't have to go through all the, you know, learning curve that I did. What was it like dealing with uh, the IRS with such a, I mean, that's a pretty material amount of money. Uh, it was, and uh, we had the, I don't, I don't want to give it a word. We happened to be assigned to a particularly aggressive um, revenue agent. And I did my best to dialogue with her, communicate with her, try to understand. And she was just really impossible to deal with. So I ended up uh, working with one of those um, tax resolution services. And the people at the tax resolution service, this woman has played every dirty trick in the book. Um, so it was rough. It was very rough. And it went on for a while. And, um, but, you know, it helped shape the resolve that I have now. And yeah, I mean, it, it was brutal. I wouldn't want to wish it on anybody. <laughs> I had two thirds of my um, paycheck levied over a period of six to seven months. I was, I found myself thinking, how would I cope if I could, you know, no longer find a place to live? You know, how would I cope if I was maybe going to become homeless? It, it was intense. Yeah. So why the, why the fascination with taxes from such an early age? I mean, I know you talked about the W-4, but why did that actually pique your interest? What was so fascinating about that? Well, I mean, we grow up and we hear right, left, and center, oh, death and taxes are absolutes. Um, you know, everybody pays taxes, pay your fair share, all, all the things that we're told. And when I saw that exempt, I thought, well, no one ever talks about that. Why is that? Um, it wasn't that I had any prior or particular interest in taxes it just stood out to me as it just made me go made me pause you know oh you know what is this but I didn't do anything with it at age 16 I just followed in line like everybody does and um, over the years I started okay at, at um, starting in the 2000s I started trading the stock market um, using options and I started learning about the Federal Reserve and how it works. And because they would every three months come out with their meeting and are they going to raise or lower or keep interest rates the same? And, and I was looking more into the Federal Reserve and I was, you know, learning a few things about that. And so, okay, the money system and just, just these little teeny bits of, I guess, more, more grains of sand entered me and it just slow it was a very slow evolution and um yeah that's i don't know how else to describe it i i am you know a, a freedom lover and i do have always had a quest for learning and knowledge and understanding um i didn't have that in my family growing up so for, maybe i particularly craved it as a result I want to know. I want to understand. I want to figure this out. I want to get to the bottom of it. I want to pull back the curtain. I want to, I want to know. I don't want to just go through life blindly. That's interesting. I feel like a lot of people, 
they kind of just exist in a in a state of blissful ignorance with yes a lot of things so it's interesting that i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off yeah it's okay no i cut you off you go ahead (laughs) Uh, i was just gonna say it's very interesting to me that um that that was so important to you to be like i want to i want to take my head out of the out of the you know the the sheets the the darkness yes and poke you know poke your head over and see and see what was there do you feel like do you feel like everybody could do that or do you feel like it takes a, a special kind of person i find in the service that i offer that certain personality types take to it much better than others and so i think it's not that no one couldn't do it but i'm seeing that there's people that their fear level is greater than their desire for learning or freedom or understanding so it's kind of like a scale if the fear is super high they're going to be less inclined if their inquisitiveness and that inner fire of gee what's really possible is more developed and more alive then they take to what i offer much more easily so what about in general not not just in through the lens of of taxes but just just in general ask me the question again like do you do you feel like do you feel like when when you're trying to surface um, or, or come out of, of ignorance, really. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, it can be a very difficult process, especially realizing that you don't know all the things that you thought you knew. There's this whole world that you didn't know. You realize like how much you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually like a, I think it's psychology. It's, a, it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Where if you, you think you know a little bit, and with that little bit of knowledge, you you don't understand how much you don't know. So it's like you right. you overestimate your knowledge in a certain field, but then as you learn more, then you realize how much you don't know. Do you think everybody has what it takes to go there, to, to traverse that, that path and to get to a place of transcendence from ignorance? I'm going to answer that by saying I believe on a soul level yes they have that ability on a personality level um that's the challenge but yeah i think deep down everybody has those seeds of of living life to the fullest and it's just a matter of how much stuff gets layered on top of that that makes, you know, breaking through it relatively harder or easier. But yeah, yeah, everybody could. It's there, is my belief. You know, I'm not a psychologist or anything. I just, that's what I would say. (laughs) You mentioned the personality. It it seems like everybody could, but not everybody does. Yes. Where's the personality fit in there? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I see it as um, the conditioning that we get from our family, our society, our education, the media, everywhere we turn, we are steered in a direction. And it, in some ways, it's, it's a path of least resistance in the sense of, oh, well, this is normal. This is what everybody does. But it's not the path of least resistance when you want freedom or whatever the, the desire is. Expansion, power. I healed myself of an incurable disease when I was 19. So I realized at an early age that there's a whole lot more to what's going on than what's visible. I would love to hear that story. (laughs) All right, I'll tell it to you. Uh, It's very personal. 
but I think it's worth sharing. So this is really off the topic that I thought we were going to go, but I'm, that's great. So when I was 19, somehow or other, I don't even know how I contracted genital herpes. And I went to a doctor and he said, this is about the worst case I have ever seen. And it was truly um, horrific, torture for three weeks at least. And he said, there's really nothing we can do about it. It just has to run its course. And so, you know, I left and um, suffered for the three or whatever weeks. And he told me, you know, this is something that you'll have the rest of your life. You know, it's typical for reoccurrences to break out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so it came and went. And then about four months later, I could just feel the early little tickly, itchy sensation of a, of a new outbreak. And at that time, I was studying some spiritual literature and some self-healing things. And I said, I'm putting it to to use here. And I started talking to the disease. And I said to it, you are not welcome in this body. Get out. Get out now. You have no purpose here. I just did this. I repeated that over and over and over for two days straight. Not straight, literally straight, but every conscious moment if I'm walking, I'm in the shower, I'm, I just, I said, just get out of here. And after 48 hours, that little itchy tingling sensation, it subsided. I did not have a breakout. I have never since had a breakout. I have never had a fear that I would have a breakout ever again. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. We are so much more powerful than we are taught or trained or led to believe. This mind, it's like God in its own way. I think that's what they mean by created in God's image. That is incredible. So after that spectacular, like that's, that's, that's like a miracle. Yes. Yes. Um, It was a miracle. Yeah. That, that is amazing. After that, your whole life must've changed. Well, it, it definitely was a powerful experience. Um, at 19, in general, I was just out of high school. I was a shy, scared to death, timid kid, uh, an introvert. Um, I got through my adolescence by learning how to play the flute because it was a way to um, buffer myself from people. And I loved it. And it was, it was just a way for me to function and get through that period of life with some relative grace. Um, and it's been many years that I've overcome some of those, you know, shy things and, and so forth. But yeah, yeah, that was powerful. It's, it's hard to say my life changed. It just, I accessed something that was huge, huge. So first of all, I'd like to say that it's awesome that you play an instrument because if you see right over there, it's actually my guitar case. Yes. Um, so I'm a huge, I love music and it's a very yes. important part of my life. And, and I've, I've been playing guitar since the seventh grade. Um, so shout out to all of you. Right on. That's when I started. <laughs> it put me in a class called Beginning Winds and I thought it was a weather class. <laughs> I had no idea. (laughs) Well, thank goodness for that. (laughs) Yes. Thank goodness. Yes. Oh, that's great. So, so I'm really fascinated. You had this experience at 19, very early on in your life. Yeah. You tapped into this extraordinary power in, in this, I almost feel like you dramatically increased your level of consciousness at that point. 
Yeah. How did that impact? I mean, did you, did you then study that more? Did you dig into that? Like this amazing thing happened. What did you then do with that power afterwards? That, that awareness afterwards? Well, I mean, I always have had, even as a young kid, I had the urge. I mean, I knew as a young kid that I needed help and I was reading all the self-help books and I'm okay. You're okay. It was like my first one. And, um, I, you know, I studied all kinds of spiritual stuff. So I just, I just kept on that path and my curiosity was wide and deep. And so I just turned over all kinds of rocks and, uh, yeah, just kept going. And it, it made me more, um, I think observant. I think my awareness was sharper. I could pick up on little things that maybe others would just, you know, oh, that's just normal or float by or whatever, take for granted. I, I, I'm being an introvert. I'm just more observant, I think. Why did you choose so, to use the word observant and what were you observing exactly? Um, well, I'm a visual person. So, I mean, most people are. Um, why did I choose observant? I don't know. It just seemed it's really the only word that came to mind. <laughs> um, yeah, I just always wanted to figure things out. My parents divorced when I was five. And that was a big mystery. I knew that communicating with people was critically important. And so really listening and seeing how people related to each other mattered to me. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a satisfying answer, but that's what comes to mind. So when you're talking about always being very curious and, and being observant and turning over those rocks and, mm -hmm. and always going a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further, what have you discovered? Like, like what what else have you discovered? And the reason that I'm so curious about this is because – I feel like most people do not do this kind of work. Most people just accept what is happening to them yeah. and they right. do not dig deeper. They don't ask the questions. So you don't, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, that like, like I am totally guilty of that sometimes too. I try to be very observant and I try to always grow, but some people don't even try and they don't want to try and they don't care. They don't care. Yeah. Right. So for somebody who may be like that and they may not even realize it, they may realize it, but they may not even realize it. I think that would be fascinating to hear about the discoveries of somebody who has been on that journey. And even for, for somebody like me, and I feel like I've done a lot of work, I'm still massively fascinated. Like, like what have you discovered? What, what has, what, or what have those rocks that you Oh, well, so because of my, experience with the herpes, the whole medical world and field, I have, uh, I see, especially Western medicine, as it's useful if your body has gone through trauma, like you're in a car wreck. That's where Western medicine shines. When it comes to disease, no, not so much. Um, the whole pharmaceutical industry, the whole vaccination thing, all of these things that we're programmed to do, I have shaken it all off. I said, nope, that's a dead end or worse, unless you focus on the dead part. Yeah. Um, you know, the food supply, the agricultural system, you know, the GMOs, you know, the, all, all the stuff that goes into that is off base. It's off track. You know, I'm, I'm a, a vegan, mostly vegan, vegetarian. I don't, I do my best to avoid the GMOs. I, you know, I don't, I don't, it's not okay, you know, to, to just accept 
that what someone packages and puts in the store, that it's really okay to put in your body. To me, most of the stuff in the grocery store is not fit for human consumption. It's just not. It's, it's, it's poison. Um, I've done 10-day fasts. You know, I've, you know, so, that, okay, so medical, agricultural. I mean, there's, there's so many areas of life that are filled with deceptions or just misinformation and so you know I guess maybe on some level you know given my inner nature it was inevitable that I would discover what I've discovered with taxes it's just one more thing that revealed itself because I went after it yeah I love that and I love how it came full circle yeah so one thing stuck out that I want to talk about, but you did a 10 day fast or you, like, do you do yeah. that regularly? What is that I've, like? I've done one 10 day fast. I'm, I'm thinking of doing another one. I'd like to go 20 days this time. Whoa. And my other fasts have been shorter, three to five days. Um, it, the fast that I do, it's the, um, the master cleanse with the, the lemon juice and the water and the cayenne pepper and the maple syrup. And that's all you drink for 10 days or for as long as you go. And you can survive on just that. The maple syrup has the vitamins and minerals that your body needs. So you're not actually, you know, you, I didn't feel ravenously hungry. Yes, the desire to eat is strong, but it's, it's not that bad. It's not as hard as the imagination would tell you because your body is getting some nutrients. So cool (laughs) that's really cool yeah yeah so uh, i've i've thought about doing fasts uh Uh before Uh this is not the first time i've heard about the the water with the lemon and the cayenne pepper and maple syrup yes do you just like do you just do it you just you're just like all right i'm doing this now and then do you just do it or is there you have to like prepare yourself like how did you go about getting ready for this thing? Well, there's a little book called The Master Cleanse that some man created, and he, he gives a lot of um, experiences and the recipe and what to expect and all these things. And it's a good idea to prepare yourself mentally for what's coming. Um, to just do it cavalier, people that do that tend not to stick with it, you know, I don't know a lot of people that have done it, so I don't have a lot of, you know, personal knowledge about what others, but the book, it's a thin book and it's called the 10 day master cleanse. And it's, um, it's excellent. It's, it's simple to do. I recommend it in the summer because it's easier to not crave food when it's not cold, cold. You just want to eat warm stuff. So I do my fasts in the spring and summer. (laughs) That's fascinating. So it's amazing to me how it almost seems like the curiosity and and the discovery has been the common theme through everything. And and it seems like absolutely yeah. It seems like when you were nineteen, that entire experience came about from like a very stressful situation that almost forced you to fully embrace that curiosity in a way that you may not have tapped into that before. Well, I was already curious. I was already studying spiritual literature and I, I would happen to be, you know, it happened to include some health and healing um, elements to it. So it was an opportunity to apply what I was already doing. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. And I yeah. love the context of, mm-hmm. okay, so you have been, a, so this has really been like a lifelong journey of curiosity for you. Yes, yes. That's amazing. I love learning and yeah, it's, it's one of the most satisfying things there is. Other than communicating with other human beings that have some interest in that also ah so you like the you like talking about it with people or 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 the the communication with people about the 
things that you're curious about or about the curiosity in general? Well, both. I mean, I have never been good at, you know, small talk. You and me both. <laughs> I just, I don't like it. But when there's like real substance to share and, you know, explore with other people, it's like, it's as good as sex in some cases better. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So when you are, when, when you first get curious about something, mm -hmm. what does it feel like? Like, what is it, what is it actually, because it's, it's easy to say I got curious about something and then I learned about it or I, then I explored that. But like, what is it actually like for you? Because I know what it's like for me, but what is it like for you when that happens? Well, it's, it opens up a door to a whole nother possibility of how my life could be if I uncover what's down that road. It's like, oh. Um, I mean, there's several things on my list right now of things I want to get to. Um, and I mean, they're, they're potentially life-changing in another powerful, extraordinary way. So I want to grab that. I want to, I want to move toward it. Hmm. Yeah. So it's almost like a, it's almost like your whole being shifts focus towards that thing. Um, I, at this stage in my life, <clears throat> I'm not in a place where I can shift all of my focus to one thing. Mm -hmm. My focus is divided up among many, many things. Um, so I, I mean, because I'm curious, it's almost, my husband constantly tells me, you you have too many irons in the fire. And he sees it as a flaw. And, you know, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, really, because it, as I go along, I'm becoming more and more aware of more and more doors to go to open up and go through. And I can't do them all simultaneously that I'm aware. I haven't learned. Maybe there's a way to do them all. I just haven't gotten that far down the road. <laughs> <laughs> And that I don't is, want to rule out the possibility. Yeah. That is so fascinating. And I know exactly what you mean because mm -hmm. I, I feel that exact same thing through the lens of conversations like these. Like yes. the reason that I love being, you know, doing this and, and, and having a show is because first I just think it's cool, but also I get to learn so many things. The thing that the thing that gets me is that we can't spend forty eight hours talking about these things, which we easily could, because there are so many doors to open. It's right. like, which ones do you open? Which ones do you open first? Do you like? Do you try to briefly talk about all of them, or do you try to go really deep in one or two of them? Like, it is the eternal struggle. <laughs> yes, yes, but hey, of all the challenges to have, that's the one I. I'll reckon with. Oh yeah. That's a beautiful yeah. challenge to have. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I totally agree. So yeah. In all of your work. Okay. All of your curiosity and discovery. Okay. Why did you choose to pursue tax taxes over everything else that you were curious about? Okay. So because I realized early on, I, I, when I uncovered this, I wasn't specifically looking to figure out taxes. It came out of a, res, uh, out of a desire to understand the monetary system first. That's what I want. I have had in me this desire to, you know, figure it out and become wealthy and break out of, you know, quote unquote rat race and all that, that it means. So when I started understanding the monetary system more deeply, and part of that comes from several sources, but Creature from Jekyll Island played a role. 
um, I also have had such a deep reverence for what the founding fathers created. And I feel like now my real calling is to bring to light what they actually did. Um, and what and what I've discovered with the taxes happens to just weave in with what they created, the monetary system that we have, and the freedom that can be available to everybody. They just, they all intermingle now. So it's become this beautiful package that includes, it's not only taxes. What, I, what I've uncovered is that this, uh, this method of approaching taxes is a way to help our nation lower its national debt, which is over $22 trillion. And that matters to me. Um, it's not just a selfish, wow, I don't have to pay taxes anymore. It's I'm serving and helping my government and my country. I love that. Yeah. Why, when you were talking about the, the founding fathers and what they did, why did that speak to you so much? They sacrificed their lives their possessions, every, everything that they had to create the Constitution and that Declaration of Independence that, that led to, you know, the establishment of the greatest country on earth. And I, I feel like in our modern era, we have so fallen far away from what they established. I, I feel squirmy saying we're the greatest nation on earth because we are not living and abiding by what they put in motion. But, but the seeds and the roots of it are, are still viable and present and they just need to be you know, re reinvigorated, so to speak. So um, the Federalist Papers is one of the books. It's a compilation of what their discussions was, were and their concern about the dark side of human nature that, that could invade and taint and corrupt the political system. And it showed how moral, how, how interested they were in a moral, ethical society. Um, so th they were brilliant. What they did was, was brilliant. And sometimes I wish, I wonder if they could have set it up a little better so it would have <laughs> um, en endured a little longer <laughs> in, in the way that they had envisioned it. Um, but I see that now that's, that's my role. They're gone now, but their spirit isn't everything that they created. So I, I so revere the founding fathers of America. Yeah. And the person that, that I look up to a lot in my own life is Benjamin Franklin. Mm -hmm. I think we have the whole Ben and Ben thing going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and one of one of my mentors, um, who I'm, I'm very grateful is is still around, um, is another Ben too. So it's like, I, I just <laughs> there's a, there's a Ben thing there there. Yeah. But um, but I think about how much those people and they're people just like us. Yeah. how much they accomplished and how much they did in the brilliant things that they created mm -hmm. and, it, and it almost seems like they changed and altered the course of humanity forever 
with yes. what they did. How, how do you feel we are, or, or what do you feel we need to do as people in order to, to, to reach that level of impact and change and, and profound awesomeness that, that they, the level to which they, they reach, like, how do we get there? How do we do that? Well, in my opinion, you know, there's so much talk about our education system and the term education to me has become absolutely meaningless because it, it, applies to every level of education, whether it's indoctrination, propaganda, conditioning, uh, misinformation, all the way up to actual real truth and everything in between. The term education has zero discernment in it. And the concept of education has such a positive implication that all of these forms of education are lifted up as equal and of merit and of substance and yes we need to you know fund education and do this and edu- you know and all that and i think we need to start with changing up that word and defining it and categorizing what education is real and what education is uh, debatable or theoretical, and what education is not. That's the starter. You know, the whole homeschooling movement, I think, is great because it begins to head in that direction. Um, in my view, college education, university is a complete waste of money, other than whatever connections you can make there. Unless you go to a trade school where you actually learn a skill, um, it's, it's, it borders on criminal in my mind, what's going on with this whole word education. So, you know, seeking truth, that matters. And, and you know, having, you know, differences of opinion and perspectives and sharing and learning, all, that, all that's important and useful as part of education. But uh, for us to resurrect what the Founding Fathers did, we have to study what they did. We have to read the Constitution. We have to read the Federalist Papers. We need to dive into everything that they created with heart, mind, body, and soul and embrace it and pull out the meat and the juice and the brilliance of it and share it with our, our children. What they're getting in schools I hate to say it, but to me, it's drivel. It's just mostly drivel. I think the only thing that can't be perverted is mathematics because it is hard and it's black and white. Everything else, history, even science is getting twisted into agendas these days. And so I, I, would, lo- I would like to either banish the term education and figure out you know, another way to talk about what real learning is. So that's a very powerful, powerful uh, perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And I do think that there's, I mean, I'm, I'm 24 and I went through four years of college, actually four and a half. Cause I switched majors. Okay. Um, and I really couldn't tell you that much about what I learned even okay like even even this close to being graduated i mean i very right. recently graduated like right and almost none of it applies to what i do today okay and you know for example this book right here how to win friends and influence people by mm-hmm. dale carnegie dale carnegie yes um i've read i'm i'm on my fourth read of that mhm and I think that book alone has like rivaled or surpassed the knowledge that I gained in college, which, I mean, that's crazy if you think about it. I know. People that self-educate 
to me are way ahead of those that go to college for the education's sake. Yeah. So and as time goes on, you may even question what knowledge you actually gained. Was it knowledge? Was it information? Was it data? Was it theory? Was it, what was it? Was it opinion? That's true. And I think one of the, one of the biggest uh, examples of what you're talking about is now I'm, I'm conflicted about this, right? But it's like, how do you, t- like there are classes on entrepreneurship now in college, which like mm-hmm. seems very counterintuitive. It almost doesn't make sense to me. And some, some of the educators in that space are amazing people and okay. they are actually running businesses and they come and they talk about some of the challenges that they've had running their own businesses and what they did to start their own businesses and how you could start your own businesses. And one of my, one of, one of the people that I'm deeply, deeply grateful for his friendship and he's a, he's a mentor to me. And, um, I mean, I love, I love this guy to death. Um, he was one of my teachers cause I took a few classes in entrepreneurship in college. And this was after I had already started my business cause I was curious. But then other classes were just so unhelpful. And the, the people there were all talking all about theory because they had never even started a business, but they were, ta- they were teaching entrepreneurship. So it's like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't. But the, the, the people that had businesses, that would be awesome in a curriculum. Yeah. Life experience. And yeah, that, so, okay. Now I, yeah. Yeah. So I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted. And I, and I, and I, I probably lean more towards the, like, instead of going to college just to figure stuff out, like maybe travel. So like take, take that money and travel. Travel is fabulous. Learn about yourself. I spent a month in Karachi, Pakistan back in 1989 on a work project at that time, I was working in the Los Angeles fashion industry. And I'm a pattern maker, was a pattern maker and a uh, designer of clothing. And uh, I was doing a work project there. <clears throat> and yeah, it's on the other side of earth <laughs> from where I lived. <laughs> and uh, traveling, it just, it shows you so many things that you just cannot possibly fathom like learning another language which i have never done i know little bits of spanish but when you learn another language you actually understand your own language better when i came back from that trip in pakistan to the united states another month of being home and having the juxtaposition of the two experiences was as much a part of the, the, the learning and the experience as just going there. When I came back and I saw how organized and clean and um, just, just orderly compared to the other place, it, it blew my mind. I never saw that until there was a contrast. I remember landing in uh, New York, JFK, coming back. Um, I'm still 3,000 miles from home. And the the dearest man, Porter, was there as we're leaving the airport. Welcome to America. And I just wanted to hug him. Yeah, it's just this beautiful, sweet man there. (laughs) And I did, I felt okay, I'm home, thank God. And the, the trip was fabulous. I mean, what I saw, what I experienced um, is otherworldly. But yes, travel, travel is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, it opens the, your mind and your perception incredibly. I totally agree. And 
Yeah. You know, I, so I'm, I'm Jewish and I've mentioned that a few times on the show, but I've been very, very fortunate to um, have been able to visit Israel in my life. Ah, yes. And that was such an amazing experience. I mean, I spent six weeks there and I mm-hmm. saw with my own eyes mm-hmm. what was going on over there. And yeah. I remember I was standing in, in, in Northern Israel in mm-hmm. the Gaza, uh, I'm sorry, not Gaza, in the Golan Heights. Okay. And I was looking at Syria. And you could see it because it's right there. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's very, very close. And I saw the smoke rising from Damascus. And you, you just can't, you can't grasp like the I had no idea that it was that close and and I didn't know it was that real mm-hmm. because you hear yeah but unless you like at least for me like when I saw it it became so much more real absolutely open my eyes in yeah. a way that yeah Wow, it was a very powerful experience. And and I say all that to to say that I totally agree with you that travel is one of the most powerful ways to gain perspective that, mm-hmm. that I've ever come across. I, th- I think it's a yeah. very powerful tool. And reading great books like the one you've just held up. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, Kelly, I, I want to thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show today. And sharing this time with me and, and uh, you know, being willing to engage in, in this very meaningful conversation. So um, thank you. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. And to everybody who's watching and listening, I want to thank you all very, very much. Um, your time is very valuable. So I'm very grateful that you choose to share it with us today. So thank you very much. And I will see y'all on the next episode. Take care now.